Very good. You're going to make it. Uh, this morning, uh, we are continuing our series called The Journey. And we're going to be in this series for a while as we follow the children of Israel through the wilderness. And we're paralleling their journey to the promised land and through the wilderness of sin uh, through our journey, to our journey through this world's wilderness of sin and our journey to the promised land heaven that God has leading us by His Spirit. And along the way, we're going to find some interesting parallels to their life and story and ours. Uh, But we're all on a journey. And if I was going to title this morning's message, I would title it, uh, When Your Past Seems Easier. Uh, When Your Past Seems Easier. And uh, have you ever been hungry but not know what you're hungry for? Anybody? In this room? All right. Or, you know, you go into your kitchen and, or you're talking with your spouse or just your kids or someone and you're like, uh, well, what are you hungry for? Like, I don't know. I don't, whatever. And it, I'll eat anything. And then they, you say, well, would you like spaghetti? No, not really. Oh, do you want any like uh, hamburger steak? No. What else we got? You know, you know, and you just keep going through this thing. It's like, I'm hungry, but I have no clue what's going to satisfy my stomach. And you're waiting till that one thing that you're listening for. And normally, what is it? It's the one thing you don't have in the house. You know, it's like, oh, we don't have, you know, tacos in the house tonight. But that's really what I'm hungry for. Sometimes that's the same way spiritually. Uh, we get to these places and we're like, I'm not sure. I know uh, I'm on this journey and God's providing and he's got what I need, but it may not be what I want at that moment. Uh, sometimes God is taking you and he's giving you things of what you need, but it may not be what you want. But let me tell you something, even in your lack, even in your want, you're never in need in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. You're never lacking in Christ. So, uh, I'm going to ask you this morning, a very serious question. I'm not asking for raising your hands, but have you ever done this? And perhaps you have, or maybe you haven't. Have you ever gotten to this place in this journey? You're like, God, I, 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 I'm hungry. Uh, Lord, I know that you in faith provide. I know what you have for me, God, but it's really not what I'm, I'm not feeling. I'm, I'm, something's wrong right now in my life. And you get to that place and you lie to yourself and you say something like this. You know, things were easier before. Or uh, life's just too hard as a Christian. Or maybe you're just tired of trying and you lie to yourself and say, I just really need a break from everything right now. I need a break from church. I need a break from reading. I need a break. Just just need a break. And uh, some of us, I know, we all go through that, those thoughts in our life. And, and even if we don't, we may be lying to ourselves right now. That you just get to that place, I'm just tired of trying. I just want a break. Uh, anybody be honest and just say, I've been to those places in my life before? Yeah, a few of you are honest. Okay, everyone else is a liar. Okay, no, we're going we're gonna to work on that later. I'm joking. I love you. But, you know, what do you do when you feel like you can't go on, when you can't carry on? What do you do when temporary pain and afflictions overshadow all of God's promises and His Word? You know, none of, none of it sounds good to you because right now what you're going through really doesn't satisfy What do you do when your past seems more pleasing than your future. When your past seems more pleasing than the path that God has you on. And do you feel like you have enough for the journey God's placed you on this morning? You know, sometimes the past, the path to our past seems easy. When we look at the path to God's promise. But here's what we're going to learn this morning. If we will consume His Word along the way, this morning God's going to give you a foretaste of heaven. Somebody say amen. I could use a little foretaste of heaven every now and then, right? All right, look with me in Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. 
Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. Let's recap here for a minute. Moses has led the children of Israel out of the, of the bondage of Egypt. And through great and mighty signs, ten plagues and many signs, God has led them out by the power of His hand. And he has demonstrated Himself. He's told them, I am the Lord, the mighty warrior, the one who rescues you. And He says, I am the Lord, your healer, the one who has saved you out of the bondage of slavery and sin, out of all of the disease of the enemy. And all of the disease of slavery, I've saved you. I'm the Lord, your mighty God, and the Lord, your healer. They come to the Red Sea. They don't know what's about to happen. They think they're about to die. God says, if you'll be silent, I'll fight for you. I'll lead you. He puts his spirit ahead of them and behind them. He blocks the enemy. And then by the power of his Holy Spirit, he lights the way across the Red Sea all night long. The spirit of God moves and all night long it parts the waters. And the spirit of God hovers above them and lights the night, uh, night sky by fire. And they walk through without lanterns or flashlights or anything. They walk through on dry land. They come back, man, the sea crashes, and they get to, three days in, uh, they get to a place called Mara where the springs were bitter. And we just talked about this last week, if you haven't listened to it online. Uh, and God, in their complaint of bitter water, makes the water sweet. And He shows them and He tests them that they would trust in Him. And now here we are, here we are uh, in a new place. He led them to Elim where they found 70 date palms and, and 12 springs of water for every tribe. So God was showing them, I will take you from sweetness to sweetness, from good thing. Even if we're going through a journey and it's a wilderness and it's hot and it's sticky and you don't want to be here, trust me, I am the Lord, your healer, the Lord, your mighty warrior. All right, so here we are. They were at Elim with 70 date palms and springs of water. And now we're going on. The Spirit of God began to move by that pillar. Of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. All right, so if you're there, say amen. amen. All right, Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. Then they set out from Elim, and all the congregation, the son of Israel, came to the wilderness of sin. Now, do not read this and say, God is leading me into sin. All right, that's not what that means. Sin is another word here for Sinai. It's the wilderness of Sinai, which is between Elim and Sinai. And so on the 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt, there's about a month in now to their journey. It's been seven days since their last drink of water and eating of those date trees. So the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. I love that word in the New American Standard, grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the sons of Israel said to them, Oh, would that we have died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat, some of you are thinking about pots of meat this morning, waiting for you at home. When we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them. Look to your neighbor say, It's only a test. It's only a test. Whether or not they will walk in my instruction. All right, <clears throat> it's been a month. How many people have ever gone without water or food for a week if you've ever fasted before? Seven days. As I'm drinking my water right now, you know. Uh, seven days they've gone on the, on, from spring and they're in the wilderness. Maybe they had jugs of water and maybe they're, it's getting to that point, man, there's nothing left. It's a month into this journey of walking and walking. I don't know if you've ever walked for a month. I'm sure it's not fun. 
walking for a month in a desert. Nothing around. No trees, hardly or anything. And along the way, you and I are going through a place just like this. Sometimes going from Sunday to Sunday is going like a spring to a desert to a spring. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? It's like when you hit Monday, it's like, oh, oh my gosh. Go, let's go back to church. Can we just go back to Sunday? Because Monday is not good. Tuesday is worse. Wednesday, it doesn't even, we don't talk about Wednesday, right? And so that's where they are. Seven days in. And they're starving. But what happens is they begin to crave the past. We're going to talk about craving the past, tasting the promise, and uh, uh, looking, sorry, fasting for the future. Craving the past, tasting the promise, and fasting for the future. Craving the past. You know, even if your bellies are full, uh, if they're not full of the right things, you can still die. You think about these, uh, I, got a, I have a, about almost three-year-old. You think about uh, kids and candy, right? They can eat their full of candy, but if they ate candy every day, what? They would not grow big. They would not go strong. They wouldn't get all their muscles and all that stuff, right? And you and I spiritually too, uh, we can and be full spiritually. We can be full of the wrong things. It may taste good for a moment, but it may not last. We have to trust. We have a father just like we trust our, ch- our children should trust us. We know while you want to eat all that candy all night long, you're not going to feel good in the morning. And it's not going to make you into the person I've called you to be. God, in the same way, is saying, I know what's best for you. I know what scriptures you should read. I know what songs you should listen to. I know what TV you should watch. I know what job you should have. I know who you should marry or not marry. I know uh, what you, you should have in your home and not have in your home. I know what car you should buy. He knows the prayers you should pray. He knows the, the time and His presence that you need. And He's saying, if you'll just trust Me, I will lead you into the person and the place I've called you to be. Let me say amen. amen. All right. So what happens here is they begin to grumble. You know when your belly grumbles, if you're, if you're a parent and their belly begins to grumble in the back seat, you know you're going to hear about it. You're not going to just... It, it, it begins to come out, not just in the belly, but the grumbling of their belly became the grumbling of their mouth. And they began to complain to Moses of all the difficulties. Oh, my gosh, it's too hot. Oh, my gosh, uh, the, the food's not right, or it's too hot in here, too cold. Or there's all this stuff. Moses has been seven days. Why are you leaving us here? Life never got easier for them. But what they're really doing, because God was in the driver's seat, is who were they complaining against? They were complaining against God and His provision and doubting His provision. And here's the ironic part. Instead of enjoying their newfound freedom, that they have been delivered from Egypt's slavery. And now they were seeing, they just saw the mighty hand of God deliver them. Now they're seeing a a pillar of the Holy Spirit by day and cloud, pillar of fire by night. They're seeing Moses is talking to God. Uh, Man, there's uh, awesome things happening here. And instead of enjoying this new relationship with God, they begin to complain began to not satisfy the flesh. And you know what? That's same true for us. You and I have been rescued from the pit of hell by the mighty hand of Jesus Christ. 
You and I have been delivered, set apart, baptized through the water, and are led every day. God said, I will put my Holy Spirit in you. I can fill you, baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You and I have the presence of God. Every morning you wake up, the presence of God is in your bedroom, wait there, right there waiting for you. The Word of God has been given to us. Every day you have the opportunity in America to read it. Sometimes on your phone, on your Bible, you, can, you see it on billboards here in our town. Every day. But yet, there's a craving for the past. It's amazing that there are reli- this experience with them, it became religious. It became self-centered. If we're not careful, church, you and I, in the awesome things, if we forget, man, you and I have been saved by the very blood of the Son of God. You and I have been rescued from the pit of hell. That the demons got nothing on you. The grave can't hold you any longer. Somebody say amen. amen. But is it becoming religious? They lost the majesty of God, even in those short few days. And so have you ever gotten to the place where you're trying to do all the right things, but life never gets easier? Have you gotten to that place in your life where it seems too hard and you said, God, I don't really want to do this anymore? It's times like these, you know, we can forget we've been freed from all this stuff by the power of Jesus Christ. And we need to remember this one little phrase I want you to remember this morning. Repeat after me. Every day day is a good day day in Jesus. Every day is a good day in Jesus. I'm not going to hell today. I'm not, I'm not bound by sin today. i got the Holy Spirit in me. I don't care if my house burns down, my car breaks down. Today can be a good day in Jesus. Somebody say amen, right? Every day is a good day in Jesus. And here's the catch. If He has already purchased you from hell and is leading you to heaven, how, and He saved your eternal soul, how will He not freely give you all things? How will He not? If He has called you by name, pulled you out of the flames of hell, filled you with His Holy Spirit, washed you by the very blood of His Son, how will He not get you through Tuesday? How will He not get you through Wednesday? How will He not provide your food on your table? How will He not provide the money in your bank account? How will He not provide the need of love you need in your marriage? How will He not save your children? How will He not bless you till you are overflowing? Come on, somebody say amen. If He has not shed His own Son's blood and redeemed you from the pit, what else? What, what doubt do we have? I'm just be honest, church. How we so easily doubt? We look at Israel and we're like, oh my gosh, guys. You just saw flames of fire. You just saw the water part. But you and I, they didn't have the blood of Jesus. They didn't have the Spirit living in them. They didn't know that He died on Calvary, that He's coming back again. They didn't have the promise of God. So easily readable. A preacher every Sunday. And yet we doubt just the same. But if He has already purchased you, will He not lead you into His promise? So they begin to grumble. And I can just be honest, we all grumble. And the only thing that we do, sometimes we go on beyond grumbling. We go, oh my gosh, Lord, I just say, oh, blah, blah, God, I can't handle this. He just says, you've got to help my finances. God, you give me a job. God, you've got to help my body. God, oh. We forget, man, every day is a good day in Jesus. 
And then what happens, though, if we don't remember, remember that, we begin to go to the next part. It's not just grumbling, but it's exaggeration. What they said is, said, oh, man, if we had just been sitting by the pots of meat, good old pot roast or, you know, whatever, Bourbon Street steak from Applebee's or whatever it is or a big perk loin that Brother Jimmy makes on our New Year's party. You know, this big old pot of meat, some of you'd say gumbo, whatever. And then and if all of we ate bread to the full, not that, not that little piece of bread. I'm talking about big old butter bread, homemade rolls, you know, uh, right? We're going to have communion later just so we'll appetite you, right? Man, if we had this, but you know what happened? They began to exaggerate and say, God, oh, if we were by those pots of meat. You know what? We look back in history and we determine that slaves, while meat was pretty prevalent in Egypt and fish and things, they had a Nile River and it was a very fertile place. The slaves, however, these were special pots of meat they're referencing. The slaves never or almost rarely ate by these pots. And it wasn't just good to be a slave, right? They forgot in this complaint, this exaggeration, they never mentioned the, the whips that hit them over the back. They never mentioned the mortar of the bricks that was hard to carry or the uh, big, huge stones they had to cart up to these great temples that Egypt was having them build. They never mentioned all that stuff, but they begin to exaggerate how good it really was back in slavery. You know, if we're not careful in a temporary pain, you begin to forget about the promise of God and you look back to the past. You say, oh, you know, things weren't too bad when I was living for myself. Things really weren't so bad when I was giving. I had a little bit of control in my life. Things really weren't so bad when I was at that job or I had that person in my life or whatever. We begin to look to the past and say, we forget all the things the devil really did have a hold of us just a few years or a few days ago, right? And, and to be honest, some of us have been through this journey where we have get in the faith with God. We've lost our faith, gone back to the past, and now we know so much more. It's better to be in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Today's a good day in Jesus. So they begin to exaggerate. It's like when we talk to people about the good old days. You ever notice the good old days were always pretty darn good compared to today? It's always, always the past. We begin to look at the past, but we forget things were bad back in the day too. We forget that things, we, we begin to reminisce, and our minds just naturally do that, how great things were in the past, and we forget that God has such more for you in the future. God has a promised plan for you. And Matthew Henry wrote this. He said, Discontent magnifies what is past, vilifies what is present without regard to truth or reason. If you are a person who is discontented in where God has you right now, if you do not have contentment, with where God has you right now, whether it is good or bad. God has a purpose to redeem you right now where you are. But if you begin to get discontented with where you are right now, you'll begin to vilify uh, and, and magnify the good of your past. You begin to vilify what is present. And no matter of truth or reason of the promises of God, you'll begin to forget them. You know, many people left Christ in the very great words He spoke. Think about the rich young ruler couldn't give it all. Judas betrayed him for money. Even the disciples, before they received the Holy Spirit, uh, all left him at persecution. 500 people saw him. Only 120 made it to the upper room. You and I have to determine today, I'm not leaving Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not going to be one of the ones that goes back to the past. I'm not going back to Egypt. Somebody say amen. amen. When our flesh is tested... It complains things. You can think about this. You can complain against the pastor. You complain against the church, our family, our friends. 
But ultimately, you and I are beginning to complain about God. Whether we say, I don't like the preaching style, the worship, the music didn't move me today, or I'm not being fed, or maybe this church didn't really care about me, or, uh, or maybe my family, they don't understand. We might even think things are really easier before I wasn't in church. I've heard people say that to me. That's one of the hardest things, I think, about being a pastor is all the ones that fall away. So many... I mean, I'm a bit in ministry going on 10 years. So many. The ones that keep me up at night, the ones I think about and remember the most are the ones that are not sitting in the pew next to you right now because they begin to magnify what is past because of the pain in their present and they forgot the promise of the future. Amen? So we crave the past. We, God in His mercy gives you a taste of His promise. Look, look down in verse 12. Exodus chapter 16, verse 12. So if we don't fully trust in God, temporary pain can overshadow His promise. I'm giving you the P words this morning, but it's fully trust in the Lord. Are you focused this morning on your desert or are you focused on your deliverer? Are you focused on your desert or are you focusing on your deliverer? Because your deliverer will give you a taste of his promise. Exodus chapter 16, verse 12. He says, God speaks. I have heard the grumblings of the son of Israel. Speak to them. At twilight, you'll eat meat. And in the morning, you'll be filled with bread. And you'll know, you will know that I am the Lord your God. So it came about at evening. Quails came up and covered the camp. We would pray for ducks, right? And the guys in Louisiana. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp and it turns into manna. What we learn from this is that when you are craving the past, even though they were grumbling against Moses, even though they were grumbling against God, even though they were doubting in the promise, they had forgotten the glory of God, even though you and I get to a Wednesday in our week and we forget about all that God said on Sunday and all that God's done for us, God still hears you. And God's grace is still for you. God is a generous God. God, I mean, it's an amazing thing that God even heard their complaint. Aren't you thankful that God, He says, I have heard their grumblings. God cares, church, what you're going through. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what your flesh says. He says, God doesn't care. This, you're going through this. You need to make it on your own. You need to try something harder. You need to take your life on your own hands and go do this or go do that, trying to figure things out. God knows. He hears. He cares. And so God hears them. And God becomes generous to them. Man, it's so amazing. God could just wipe them off the face of the earth right then. But He was generous. He sent a miraculous provision of manna and meat, quail, it was about a two million people, right? Now get this. Get to get the math in this. Manna comes down. I think, in my opinion, of what I think of manna, you guys know the uh, instant mashed potato flakes that we get. These quick mash. I don't think that's what it was like. Instant mashed potatoes, okay, all over the ground when the dew left, okay, and they had to come in. They had to ground it up and pick it up. God left so much. This is how generous God is for two million people, perhaps, maybe more. Uh, he left one omer for every person. Now, that translates today to about five or seven liters per person, okay? That's a lot. That's a lot of soda bottles, okay? Per person, per two million people. Now, if you add all that together, 
you're talking about four to seven million liters of food. Okay, four to seven million liters of food. Uh, enough, some have estimated, to fill four trains with 60 cars each every day. Four trains of 60 cars of food every day just floating down from heaven. We need to kind of get our minds around what God is willing to do in our circumstances. What God has already done and God can promise to do again. We worry about this economy, right? We're all, we're in, a, we're in an economic downturn in, in our state, right? And, and many people in this room today and in our church and community are out of jobs. God gave them four train cars of 60 cars each every day. He's already done it, church, right? And we worry, God, I'm going to make this bill. And that, that, we do go through lack. We do go through things. And God put them through lack. But what they needed to survive was given in full. It says that manna was so good that no matter how much you eat, it filled you up. No matter how much, whether you ate little or lack, it was exactly what your stomach needed. It was exactly whatever your family went out to gather every day. You would meal it and grind it up. Uh, and it began uh, uh, to... Uh, sorry, it just filled the plates. It filled whatever their stomachs needed. And God in His generosity and His grace, not only does He hear you today and whatever you're going through, God knows how and how much to fill you up with. He knows you may not have the filet filet mignon on your table. You may not have the nicest car in town or the nicest house in town, but he knows how to keep your bellies full. Somebody say amen. He knows. Trust in him. He knows what you need for your family. He knows what you need for your finances. He knows what you need in your, your mental capacity. He knows what you need in your heart. He knows exactly what you need, and he has proven time again. He hears you, he is generous towards you. And so I'm asking you today, how big really is your problem? How big really is the problem you're going through? Because we have a very, very big God. We have a very amazing and awesome God that satisfies every soul. Not only did they hear them, not only was he generous, generous towards them, excuse me, but he also gave them a foretaste. The Bible says that manna was like uh, wafers with honey. Now, if you remember, what did he say he was calling them to? A land flowing with milk and honey. Hmm. Every day when they woke up and the sun was beating down, they didn't have the houses they used to have. They're living in tents. They were living on the dirt and there were snakes and scorpions. It was hot. Hotter than Louisiana hot. And that's pretty hot. In the desert. No food, no money, no water. Every day, God gave them a little taste of honey. A little taste to remind them, you know what? Hey, man, woman, child, brother, sister, sir, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Here's a little taste of heaven. Here's a little taste of the promised land that I had. Don't give up. Every day, they had their full and they got a little taste. Aren't you glad that God, even like this morning... God is willing to give you and I just a little foretaste of heaven. 
The Spirit of God comes in this room. The Word of God encourages you. You get the love of the family and the brothers and sisters in this room. And you get just a little taste. It's not, not what you really want. It doesn't satisfy like that filet mignon might. And that we're going to eat in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're going to just be in the myriads of angels and the shouts of glory. And there'll be peace forevermore. We don't get all of that yet. But He gives you enough every day to give you a little bit of heaven. Somebody say Amen. A little bit of heaven. You can have a foretaste of heaven today. If you are hungry, if you don't feel like you can make it, God in His grace will give you just what you need to get till tomorrow. Isn't that a good thing? Just what you need. God, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He even quoted after multiplying, get this, it wasn't just spiritual, but literal. He multiplied the five loaves. He gave the two fishes to feed 5,000 people. He told His disciples, what are you guys worried about? physical food for. If I'll give you spiritual food, how much more will I give you physical food? He says, I am the bread of all life, spiritual and physical. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they're dead. But the bread I'll give you comes down from heaven that you'll eat of it and you'll never die. And I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is my flesh, which I give for the life of this world. Aren't you so glad you can partake of Jesus Christ today? Every day you get up, you don't feel like you can make it. You can take a little bit of Jesus. Is that good? That's good food right there. Many people stumbled over a statement like that. And it's because there are two types of appetite in this world. You could be in this room today or listening and not understand a word I'm saying. And many people, just like that though, even though they had a taste of the promise, still crave the past. Because Jesus' word has to be consumed spiritually. Jesus is the word of God. And every day, God and his word is going to give you, will give you a little bit of heaven. But you can't just read it with your mind. You can't just speak it with your mouth, but you've got to consume it spiritually. You've got to consume it. That manna had to be picked up, it had to be ground up, and then it had to be consumed. Every day, you don't feel like you can make it. Now this just seems very simple. Pastor, we all know we're supposed to read our Bible. Really? You know how many Christians in America don't read their Bible every day? And they wonder... Why am I getting weak and weary? Why don't I have joy in my life? Why is my marriage falling apart? Why are my kids rebelling? Why don't I have peace in my finances? Even I'm, in, I'm going through uh, uh, debt or I'm going through loss of my job. I'm going through sickness in my body. I'm going through uh, relationship issues. Every day, there's a little bit of manna right here in Jesus Christ. Every day, whatever you have, whatever problem you have, every day, there literally is enough. But you must not just read it. You must consume it. You must consume it. Uh, one author, he wrote, you know, it's an amazing thing that so many Bible-reading, church-going Christians never really feed on Christ. How is your diet today? You can know His Word, but do you obey it? And is Jesus your sole substance, or is He something that you add to the diet of this world? Is He something that is your total supply or is He just dessert for the end? After you've consumed the world's ideas and philosophies, the world's stress, the world's doubt, the world's technology, all of the things that we can consume every day in the world, and we get our fill on entertainment, we get our fill on the news, we get our fill on what our friends say, and we get our fill on all the things of this world. 
We please all of our flesh all day long. We get angry, we get mad, we do all the stuff that pleases us, and then we just add Jesus to the end. And we wonder, why I don't have faith? Why don't I have joy? Why am I depressed? Why am I anxious? Why am I overwhelmed? Why aren't I living blessed? Because we're filling up still with Egypt. And there's something God was trying to do in them. Look, look a little down. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. So God sees them craving the past... And in His grace and His mercy, He gives them a little taste of heaven, a taste of the future. But He's also trying to do something. He's trying to do something in your life today too. When we are still having our bellies the junk food of Egypt, we still have in our spirit, even though we're saved today, even though we've come out of bondage, we've been baptized, we're being led by the Spirit of God, there's things in us, part of our flesh, part of our heart, begins to look back and begin to say, I like things back then. But Jesus is enough for your journey. Somebody believe that today. Jesus is enough for your journey. And here's how you're the test today of how you can be sure you you know and that you're living this out, that Jesus is enough. He began to take them on a fast is what God was doing. Look, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Hold right there. God was doing something in their life, and He's what He's trying to tell them here, and I'm just going to set this up. He's basically saying, you and I are going to have to choose today, before we leave this service. Will I be tempted by my past and the old way of thinking, or I'm going to endure the test that God has for me, and I'm going to receive the promise? Sometimes we can get so familiar with our bondage that it seems easier to go back to our bondage than moving forward, for instance. When you, before you got saved, you had this old way of thinking and living and doing. Sometimes that's, just, that's your natural way of thinking. That's your natural way of living. That's your natural way of doing. Natural way you respond to your wife or your husband when they get, push all your buttons. There's a natural way that you handle crisis in your life. There's a natural way you handle things when you get mad. There's a natural way you handle things when you get depressed. God is asking them, are you going to go back to those things or are you going to trust me? Are you going to go back to the things like this, that hurt, that depression, that familiar addiction, that familiar anger, that familiar comfort, maybe that complacency, or for me, it was mostly the familiarity of control, to be in control of my own life, to control my emotions, to control the job I had, to control the finances I had, to control what other people uh, do. I don't want to be hurt, so I put those people out of my life. I don't want to get too invested in them or whatever. We begin to control everything around us and try to make sure that we're not hurt. I don't know if anybody's like that before. That's my natural inhibition. That's who I naturally am. Push everything out, push everything aside, be quiet, be shut down, and go. I'm in control. I got this. And God's asking you today, do you want control Or do you want Christ? Do you want control of your life? Or do you want Jesus Christ? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. God, or Moses begins to explain God's heart. He sings this. What am I doing? What was I doing when I did this with the manna? He says, you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way. Somebody say, all the way. God wants to lead you all the way to heaven. He says, I led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to what? To humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. 
So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger. He humbled you and allowed you to hunger. And he fed you with manna, which you did not know. And your fathers did not know. And here's what Jesus quotes in the wilderness to the devil. That he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds or comes out of the mouth of the Lord. God wanted to humble them to get them off the junk food of Egypt, to get them their bellies a little empty of the things of this world. He was calling them to a holy fast to enjoy a sweet time in the presence of God, to enjoy saying, give up control of your life. If you do not trust me with your life now, how did you trust me to bring you out of Egypt? How did you trust me to fill you with the Holy Spirit? If you can't trust me with your finances, if you can't trust me with your marriage, if you can't trust me with your sickness, if you can't trust me with your depression, how can you trust me to pull you out of hell? Amen? If you can't trust God in the little things, you can't trust Him in the big things. It's so, we get our minds so focused on the pain of the present, we forget the glorious promise that you and I have already received. Life abundantly. Eternal life began the moment you said, Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior. Eternal life began right then. He says, I will lead you. He says, I I led them to the promised land all of the way. God is going to make a way for you to get to heaven. He's not going to let you fail along the journey. You may come into some roadblocks. You may come into some wilderness, some dry patches in life. But he says, I know I'm a generous God. I'll heal your, heal your, land, your, your body. I'll be your mighty warrior. I know how to give manna in multitude. I can feed you with the word of God. I've sent you my son, the fresh bread of heaven. And Jesus is enough for you every single day if you trust me. Somebody say amen. Jesus is enough. But true joy does not come before true obedience. Or said another way, obedience comes before the joy you're looking for. You're looking for joy today. It doesn't come before you begin to obey God and His Word. He was testing them, it says. One day they were supposed to go out and gather one omer apiece. Not to save any leftovers, not to gather on the Sabbath, but the Bible says they disobeyed. The manna that they kept for leftovers, they didn't have refrigerators like we do today, and it became foul with worms. And God's saying, how long are you not going to believe me? How long are you going to test my word? How long are you not going to believe that the Bible says I'll heal you, that I'll deliver you, that I'll give you everything you need? I'll uphold you by my strong right hand. I've got good things for you. If you trust me, believe me. I know how to save your soul. I know how to fill you with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. I I know how to. I made you. I know what you need. He says, love and forgive. We don't. We become an emotional wreck and we wonder why. He says, trust me with your finances. We don't. And we wonder why we're not living blessed. Or we're living in fear of our job or fear of what our bank account says. He says, live holy. He says, make disciples. We don't. And we wonder why we're not fulfilled spiritually. Because we begin to do this. We begin to say, I deserve some pleasure now. See, we're not to heaven yet, church. We haven't received the fullness of promise. We're on a journey. And we begin to say, well, you know, I deserve to be a little angry. 
I deserve to hold that grudge just a little bit. I deserve to, to have a nice car. And God didn't tell you to get that car. You get in debt. I wonder what happened. I deserve to have this. I deserve to have that. Don't I deserve a little bit of happiness right now? I don't know, do you? My life's not in my hands anymore. I've been bought with the precious price of His blood. My hope, my future is on the promise. I'm just passing through. We're just passing through and along the way trusting God. God, I don't like this journey, but I believe where you're taking me. God, I don't like the road I'm on, but God, I worship you anyway. I begin to obey what your word says and know, God, you'll give me joy after joy after joy. God, I begin to obey you because obedience comes before joy. And we begin to live a fasted life, just like Jesus when he quoted that to the devil. Jesus, no, it is no coincidence, church, that Jesus quoted this very verse after having not eaten for 40 days, that he allowed himself to hunger to be filled with the Word of God. He lived a fasted life. And in this world, you and I have got to get to the place where we're weaned off of everything of this world, everything that is contradictory to the Word of God. Get off the junk food of Egypt and get onto a diet of Jesus Christ, filled up with the fullness of God. I'm never going back to Egypt. How many are with me? Never going back to Egypt. Are we willing to fast the things of this world on the way to the promise? I'm willing to fast the things of this world on the path to the promise. And Jesus said this in Luke chapter 16. I close with this. He said, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. But woe to you who are full now, for you shall hunger. What do you do when your past seems more pleasing than the pathway to His promise? You remember that God fills the hungry soul with good things. That every day is a good day in Jesus. That Jesus is enough for my journey. I'm not craving the things of Egypt, but I can get a little taste of heaven today. Somebody say amen. Amen. Worship team ushers, would you come? We're going to take communion together this morning. as.